write about Trying to figure out what it's all about Existentialist Am I worth anything or just a scout? I don't know That was a great song with Watts with Outside on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven Myself Prestige with my partner in crime Long Island Raised Elm City Made E-Z Blues is in the building Easy Blues, you're better with introductions more than me Who? Do we have this today on Behind the Brand? Some people say, if life is a dance floor, then God is the DJ. Being able to take the mood of a situation and spin the proper emotion, make sure the soundtrack is on point, make sure the people on the dance floor that in this world are moving in time with each other and creating these incredible moments. Today, we have someone who not only can spin on vinyl, but can take the way that you're all doing your process and sound waves and do it that way as well. Today, we have someone who has stood shoulder to shoulder with some of the gods of this industry. Today, we have someone that likes to keep company with people featured in the Smithsonian Museum. Today, we are with one of the truest heart and soul of New Haven and of the ones and the twos. I want you to put your hands together, not if you're driving. Please keep your hands at 10 and 2. We don't need any accidents. But if you are not driving, put your hands together for the incredible, the absolutely phenomenal, someone that I love to waste several hours with any Sunday that I can, DJ Prime. What's up, brother? Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it, man. Ah, long day, long day. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, that's not that's that's how it always is. And and now for for the the you know four people that are hiding under a rock in New Haven and CT and are like, who in the world is DJ Prime? Can you give people a little bit of knowledge of who the we are on PG Radio you are? Well. I am the one that uh, did a lot of underground mixtapes for the New Haven area, put a lot of, lot of, lot of MCs on there from the New Haven area and Connecticut area too, as well. Um, geez, let's see. Uh, I was the one spinning videos in the clubs <laughs> for a hot second. Um, what else? Uh, I, I've done the whole battle circuit and uh, you name it, man. Anything <laughs> in there. Production. I produced some joints. I did three projects on my own with all original beats and some sample chop stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I, I put CT on my back, man, and just ran with it. So I had a lot of supporters, a lot of big you know, time supporters, a lot of people that was in the industry that was like, hey, I love it. So, you know, put that battery in my back for me to keep going. And and that's that's amazing because for, for what a lot of people don't understand, and there's a lot of people right now who they can say they're the best on their block and all this kind of stuff, and I appreciate it and I respect it. But the truest from new haven in particular um, hey, Andy, just run back those last two sentences man have no idea 
um, and you have got someone to trumpet uh in New Haven. What was like you know hanging with the Cold Crush brothers? Easy. Yeah. Um, you gotta go you gotta you gotta go back down memory lane with that question. Um I think me myself and Prime just um yeah. <laughs> we, we, we heard the fight. You heard we heard the fight that you just had with the internet, brother. So we, we... <laughs> so mad. That was such a good question. I mean, you were on it. You were on it. We felt your enthusiasm. Really did, you know. And thank God to take the church on this Friday. <laughs> Apparently, it's not a good Friday. Fine. Be Listen, every day is a good day that you're above ground, man. Every day is a good day that you're above ground. So All right, just smile. We just gotta keep it moving. Let's go. <laughs> Enough about me. Prime, can you can you try to educate some of these people about the true roots of New Haven music that has really plastered along the whole world is the short end of that conversation because the internet thought I was being too long-winded and forget the internet, as CeeLo says. <laughs> well, um, Connecticut, man, New Haven, Connecticut has a slew of artists um, that made it. They, they, we got a handful of artists that made it. We got some that made it on the underground level and they chose to stay there. We got a couple that branched out to the industry. Um, one of my dear favorites, R.I.P., Joey D, DJ Joey D, that man has produced a lot of records for people back in the days. Um, I think it was Creative Source or Creative Funk, something like that. He's worked with a lot of people, man, lots of people. He was supposed to be, and this is the crazy part, people don't even know. He was supposed to be the original DJ for Run DMC. They picked him. He turned it down. Mm -hmm. That is crazy. He turned that down, you know, and then they found Jam Master J, I guess, to take over. Also, there was another big hip-hop uh, group that he was working with before they blew up which was salt and pepper. And a lot of people don't know, they used to go by the name of Supernatural. And DJ Joey D was the DJ for them. And uh, when, it came, when it came to the point to go worldwide famous, he turned it down again. And what, I don't know if it was about money or what, or fame, whatever the situation was, but to understand that ritual that we had in our back pocket right there growing in our neighborhood, man, and, and just planting seeds in the game, it was like, you know, like, wow, okay, I, I want to know who else is out here quiet like this. And then um, my other brother, uh, Steezo, man, rest in peace, he uh, ended up getting a record deal in the early 90s. He was already pretty much making his claim to fame by dancing with EPMD. He was one of the dancers with EPMD. Then he went solo and got his deal and dropped his album. And he'd done some successful things, you know, with his time and, and all. Then, um, who else, man? We got Bass Blaster. I'm not sure what part of Connecticut he was from, but yeah, Bass Blaster's running around Connecticut. Um, a newer chat, Eon, I want to I make sure I got this right. Eon Flux, I think. He was on the reggae scene. He's mm -hmm. got a record with... Uh, Elephant Band, I believe that is. Mm -hmm. That was another person out of Connecticut that, you know, took the game by storm a little bit. Uh, we had um, 
God, it is, uh, <laughs> this kid, oh, man. I just found out, too, it is funny, because I was talking about him, and I was like, yo, it's this song, but it got this dude on it, and I, you know, ain't, ain't particularly name, huh? you know, fond of what it is, but I got to give him credit. He he claims it. It's in his bio. Mm-hmm. He came from Bridgeport, Connecticut, and it's uh, Saucy Santana. And he's actually out here on the, uh, I guess, on the major scene right now, killing it. I guess we could call him on the major scene because he's doing a few things with some uh, well-known people right now. But um, what 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 he's doing and who the music is for is not what I'm pertainingly into. But there mm-hmm. is a lot of talent that we got coming up through here, man. And, you know, by myself DJing, I got to rub shoulders with a lot of people, man. It's, it's just like, wow. This thing is it's coming in full circle now for Connecticut to be looked in on now. Mm-hmm. It's looking good out here. The feeling must well, be indescribable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said the feeling must be indescribable. My bad, he's aiming to cut you off. No worries. Yeah, no, it is, man. <laughs> I, I I bump shoulders with a lot of them, man. And in my back pocket, I got one of the pioneers, man, that I talk to damn near mm-hmm. daily, man, which is uh, DJ Tony Crush from the Cold Crush Brothers. And uh, he he spills a lot of game at points, you know. We talk on the, on the system building tip and all of that. So, you know, it's great to actually say I know a person. But then to actually build with a person on a on a day to day basis, man, it's yeah. just a different level. And them <laughs> dudes just was out, out in Atlantic City killing the show. They just got booked for out there. First time ever they have fifty mm-hmm. MCs on one show. Oh wow, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, they went out there and did the thing, man. I couldn't make it to that, but I was stuck with my son with his football tournament stuff. So I got to see my son win the championship game that day. <laughs> so something's a win. Came out. A win's a win. Around winners, yeah, you know. But see, it, it's so it's so super interesting because you know, even just a couple of years ago, you had that ridiculous claim by um, Sean Combs that you know you're never gonna find the big artist that comes out of Connecticut, and he called it out by name, you know. But here, yeah, you know, someone who was at the beginning of hip hop, at least super crossover popularity run dmc you know wanted someone from connecticut you know and, and this is this is the stories that that people don't tell um and i really do think are so important but really speaking of the stories in the history how important is that to hip-hop culture as a whole because you got a lot of some and it's more on the mainstream side i'm not going to say on the underground because I, I don't speak on the underground i'll, I'll speak on the mainstream because that's what we're hoping this show gets on one day a good mainstream station and we make lots of money but you know in the mainstream some of these younger especially hip-hop artists don't even know who like kumo d is or you know and they don't even know the truest history how important is that for this older class to be able to teach that history it is very important man very, very important. You must know your history, your roots to what it is that you're doing. You know, it's like you can't just walk in a job and just think you're going to automatically be CEO without knowing, you know. You got to know, you know, and, and, and for somebody to sit there and tell you, hey, 
this was the first person that ever wrote a rhyme, you need to know who it is. You know? I understand what Puffy was doing on his show now with the uh, Bad Boy show where he was making them sing the lyrics to the Biggie song. Mm-hmm. I understand it now, I, I, and I see why, you know, but it's just things that you have to know. Like, you know, the history, you don't have to know music, but just know the history of what you're doing. If you rap and know who did what at what point, you know, just like with the DJs, got to know, you know, who did the, the, uh, the peekaboo system, as they call it first, you know, which is now the cue. Um, who did the scratch, who invented the scratch, who was the first person to perform the scratch, who was the first person to record the scratch, you know? It's just all the history along, man, that just makes you a little bit more hungrier for it, you know? Like, if you're really into it, you're going to study it and be like, you know what, I want to know more about this, you know? Before just jumping into it and just thinking you're going to make a dollar because that's the worst part of the game is making a dollar off of something you don't know about. Now you out here looking mm-hmm. stupid when the questions are asked. So now I, and and actually, I love I love that I'm able to bring this topic up right now. This is amazing. This is one of my favorite moments in radio. Um, there is this incredible thing that that happens that has the culture culture aspect of it, and you see a lot of say, you know, people look that look like me, and for those that aren't look are, are listening, are playing the home listening game and not looking game. I'm kind of pale, so people who look like me are in in the hip hop game, and they've been in the hip hop game for uh, for a while, but when they get their their um, accolades, they're usually the first ones to say, you know, it's because of those that came before me. There were so many other people that were more deserving of this award for the culture itself. So I'll accept this award, but I'll accept this reward on the culture aspect. Where you had like Macklemore reach out to a couple of older um, 80s hip hop artists to, to be on the record right after he won the Grammy. You know, he realized that he was able to elevate things. So instead of pushing forward, he made sure to put a hand back. It's one of the most incredible things that I have seen in hip hop, whether it be working the shows, you know, being on stage or just being a fan is there's that constant culture of one hand back to pull up the next class and to help elevate that next class. Um, Are there people that are doing it correctly? Yes. Are there people who are doing it incorrectly? What are your thoughts? Well, I'm going to say there is people that's doing it correctly and there is people that's not doing it correctly. Um, I had a chance to chop it up with Large Professor from Main Source. I had a chance to chop it up with him, talk with him. I actually DJed for him at uh, one show. But I talked with him, man, and we was talking and he was just basically like, yo, if it wasn't for Paul C. White, he said, yo, I don't know, man. He said Paul C. White was that was that link, you know? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, yo, this is crazy because I just met you, but I know Steezo, and Steezo used to record over with Paul C. White, bring his stuff over there and get it engineered and whatnot. And Paul C. White, everybody can bring something different to the game, no matter what. Well, Paul C. White brought in some compression from the rock world 
and he blended that with the hip hop, and that's what made that grit sound that we had in the early '90s. Man, there was two powerhouses in the '90s that you had. You had your Paul C. White side of the game, and then you had uh, Bob Powers, which was with uh, Tribe Called Quest and Native Tongues and them. Out of those two groups, man, you knew you were getting something quality made out there. Hard hitting and just had that that grit sound. You know, and those two were at the top of their game, which they weren't black guys. They were white guys that contributed their style of music that they learned to the hip-hop game, which changed it because, you know, you, you, you listen to the way the samples were chopped and all of this stuff, you know, that was technique stuff being done, but it was like it, when it gets to that final stage of the mixing house, man, that's where it's like, ah, this is it, you know, and that, and that's what it was. So those two guys, I, I definitely say, man, it, you don't have to be of a certain color, race, or anything for hip-hop. You know, it, it just, you got to just have that sound. The look is is achievable, you know, forty bucks. <laughs> you can you can have a, a hip hop kick, <laughs> you know. But to have the sound and the style, that's what makes it, you know, hip hop. So to to everybody that's doing it, I don't care what color, what race, man. When mm. you make it and you finally reach back to say, "Yo, I'm going back to get these dudes because I heard them." That's nothing but respect. That's nothing mm-hmm. but respect and love. You know, a lot of people don't see it that way, but I do, man. That's respect and love, man. That's the utmost. And to just just fill in everyone, if you really want that forty dollar look, what you do is you give the money to me and Prime. We're gonna take twenty of it. We're gonna go to the flea market. We're gonna get you something, and then Prime and I are gonna get to eat. That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? That's that's the proper way to do it. I'm just being real. Just being real. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being real too on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven. Myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City Made, EZ Blues is in the building. We got the great DJ Prime with us on Behind the Brand. EZ Blues, continue. It, it's It's been an honor and a privilege to, to be able to work so many shows with you. Um, and the education that you and and everybody that you roll with can give out. And and you mentioned, you know, uh, DJ Tony Crush. It has been, first of all, when you see this man, he is up in his age. I'm not going to give out his his numbers because that ain't none of my business. <laughs> and it ain't none of your business. If he wants to tell you how old he is, he'll tell you how old he is. But to see yeah. this man show up to a show, want to bring in his own load, and, and do everything on his own so he can fully get that aspect of it. He has done the work where he could sit back and show up five minutes before he's supposed to spin. He has that type of career where that's justified, but he's still one of the first people there. He's still making sure the needles that he brought are working. He's still making sure those computer hookups are good. He's still having full-blown conversations with the sound guy to make sure the mix is going to fall right. When he's putting on a show, he's actually working the entire show down to promo, down to load in, down to everything. That is something that we, I think, we have kind of lost. Um, you know, as as we get up to those levels, sometimes we don't keep it as real as we'd like to. 
Um, that type of work ethic, though, is that something that's learned or is that, again, by just that full, unadulterated love for the culture? It's a combination of the two, I believe. You know, because um, you can easily tell who's doing it for the money. You know, you can tell who's doing it because they love to do it. You know, mm-hmm. um, Tone is just, he's that guy, man. <laughs> he knows his sound. I do sound for him, and we conversate, and he's like, hey, put a little more of this in there for me. Dial a little more of that. All right, right there. You know, so to me, it's like, you know, if you're going to do it, do it, but don't make it, you know, about a money situation because that will eventually come. If you love to do it, man, you're going to do it just because you love doing it. It's just like when I jump on the turntables, man, a lot of people be like, yo, why don't you come over here and play with us? I come spend with y'all for an hour, 45 minutes, whatever, you know. It's because it's what I love to do. You know, I love to make the room, you know, Mm -hmm. get in and and get involved, you know, and and change, you know, change people's minds, you know. And they, you know, end of the night, they're like, yo, man, that stuff was great. Hey, I like that, you know. You can see what it is, you know. It's not just about me at the end of the night with my hand out like, yo, man, you owe me some money, man. Mm -hmm. it It ain't that. You know, so, you know, it's the combination of the two, man. It's just the love for it. And then it's just, you know, it's, it's what you love to do. It's your passion. Mm-hmm. It's true. Now, and and that's that's amazing. I think that's, uh, that's one of the, the coolest aspects of it. And also dealing with the passion and talking about the history. And it's something that I'm always kind of bring back in a conversation with you because I love picking your musical brain, period. It's one of my most <laughs> fun things to do. Um, I have learned so much. You know, th- this man helped me discover that there was a, a an MF Doom Christmas record and it made my heart <laughs> Okay, when you hear MF Doom over the Grinch, bro, your life changes. So yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. being real, all right? Being real. Um, it, it's been uh, absolutely incredible to have like these conversations, but also you being a historian, you still spin on vinyl. Yes. Your preferred medium in the conversations we've had. Now, for everyone that wants to book him and doesn't want him to play vinyl, he he's preferred, his preferred medium is whichever you're ta- you're going to pay him for. But your actual artistic preferred medium is 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 vinyl. Um, why is that? You know, well, every because it seems to be, you know, a, a bit easier and you can match up your RPMs digitally. How is it with the turntable? Why do you still love that so much? Well, for me, having both, you know, vinyl and the Serato set up with the digital and all of that, you know, the, the digital world gets a little boring after a while. You know, you look at the screen, you match 99 and 99, and then boom, it flows. You know, I like to fight against the grain a little bit, you know. Like, damn, these four mm-hmm. bars ain't working. Let me speed it up a little more. Slow this for that, you know. <laughs> that's, that's the challenge of DJing. You know, it's all too simplified and easy now for people to be in doing it now. So that's kind of like the gift and the curse of the game right now. Um, don't get me wrong, digital is great. I do like it. It has its perks. But that vinyl format, there's nothing that sounds like it. There's nothing that feels like it. You know, and, and if you were someone that was playing vinyl, just as long as me, you would know and understand that that right there, that that's the format that's never going to change. It's mm-hmm. vinyl. You know? And it's actually on a comeback, which is beautiful. A 
lot of new artists is putting records out on vinyl, which is nice. You know, um, you got like West Side Gun and them guys. You got uh, mm-hmm. Beyonce, she put out some stuff. You know, Rihanna put out a couple of pieces. So, you know, it's it's making its way back, which is good. So, you know, I can't, I can't wait to see it fully back so I could just grab everything on vinyl and say, all right, the digital we can wait on. <laughs> well, I think it's really interesting because, you know, I dabble a little bit in vinyl collection um, and it's really like, it. it's like when you used to collect baseball cards, but like on like super high test, you know what I mean? Cause like yeah. you could have to bid for a record and you love that record so much, you know, you flipping through like eBay or whatever. And like, you know, diggable planets uh, first record is up there and you're like, Oh, it's the rebirth of cool. Oh yeah, totally. This is what I need in my life right now. And you look at the price and you're like, ah, maybe, but then you get into a bidding war with somebody and now you're matching passion versus passion, you know, and it gets so kind of, it, it can get so exhilarating. And when you win that, is one of the most incredible things. Here, let me go show you the record that I didn't win. I made up that whole thing. I'm just saying, it's it's just an absolute. Um, you know, what is it like being also a collector, but someone who uses that collection in his own art? Because I hear those records. You, you talk about grabbing, and I I want you to share. <laughs> well, we try to. Me and my brother, man, Matt Flavor, we we try to dig and look for the rare stuff or funky. So when we throw it on, you're going to turn around and be like, yo, are you serious right now? They just put that on? Like, mm-hmm. I never heard that before. What is that? You know, we want to we still catch you with that because there's so much music out there that you're not going to be able to witness it all. You're not going to be able to capture it all, you know? So we're just looking for the rare funky stuff and, you know, that, that good old classic stuff that just, you know, it feel good music in a way, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's funny that you say that about the eBay stuff. I did a few eBay things, buying records, but then that price tends to go way through the roof sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. So I did stumble upon, uh, ah, I shouldn't like it, y'all. It's called Discogs. I oh. did pull the current stem. And you know, it's gonna it's gonna cost you if you want something rare, but they got good prices mm-hmm. and you don't have to bid. If you see the record you want it, add a T crate. Simple as that. Well, so I've spent a lot of money with discogs. <laughs> Some people get mad. Some people get mad and say, Ah man, why you gonna go discogs, man? Hey, I don't have to argue, I don't have to finagle, I don't have to talk to you. Put it in the cart. I want it. That's it. Done. <laughs> Cause I've been to I've been to some record stores, man, and I'm like, yo, I need this record right here, man. Oh, that, I I was looking for that. That was in there by accident. I'm sorry. Or you know, or oh, I got a scratch version. I I need that to replace one. Then why is it in the store? <laughs> I want to buy the record. Question for so, both of you. Question for both of you. Um, where are the record stores now? It seems like it's becoming extinct. Sadly. I remember the anticipation for a CD or a disc. It was a great feeling back in the day. Yeah, there's a couple of stores mm-hmm. left. Like in the New Haven area, we got uh my boy Chris. Uh, okay. I think it's what? Elm City Records. 
All right. He's out there. Then we got in uh, Wallingford Red School Records. Uh, we got a couple of record dealers like uh, Gary G. Right. He's mm-hmm. a record dealer. Um, God, what's his name? I think his name's Jason. Yeah. I think it is. He's a record dealer. And then we also got shows, record shows, record conventions, record riots. Actually, uh-huh. it's one of the big ones that's moving out here. Those yep. guys, they got like 40, 50 vendors every time they pop up. Um, yeah. find a lot of great stuff, man, from a dollar to five hundred dollars. You know, it's, it's just it's that crazy. Well, yeah, there's there's a few record stores around still. Thank God. Well, yeah. and there's also we a weird more. place too, because because mm-hmm. you can obviously you can still try to pick up some stuff uh, if you're if you're thrifting. Like go to Goodwill. You know what I mean? Go to Goodwill. You could pay, you could pay a dollar for a record that's got the the you know craziest of crazy because you know. Great grandma had had to uh, had to clear out you know her stuff after she passed on, and you know no one realized because no one around the house had a record player, so they just donated everything to Goodwill, and now all of a sudden you're sitting on you know an Aretha Franklin, you know so something yeah. crazy along those lines. You can also go to Neverending Books um, right in State Street. They mm-hmm. all it's kind of like a, a pay want type of thing, and you've got all records. I believe the Ghostbusters soundtrack w- w- they had there the uh, the other day. I was down there. That's right. The Ghostbusters soundtrack. It's not something you necessarily want, but hey, for 50 yeah. cents, I'll play the heck out of the record. Yo, I, I am artistic, but I am cheap. You know what I mean? Like, I ain't trying to, to, to blow, you know, anything like that. Plus, some of the more independent artists go to their band camps. You know, I was able to get yes. Chesky's records from their band camps. I'm able to get Miles Bowen's record from their band camp. I was able to get that Co-Defendants record, which you need to get, sir. I told you they were coming. They're out now. Uh, it is it is the band that, that we played the last time you guys were at the State House, um, where they did the song with DOC, the co-defendants. You're gonna want that record. You trust me on that. You're gonna want it in vinyl. Trust. I have it in vinyl and you can't have mine. <laughs> the, the serious yeah, tone in your voice. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I did a lot off of Bandcamp too. Um, picked up a lot of Jim Sharp stuff off of there, man. I like Jim Sharp, so mm. I picked up a lot of his stuff off of there. Um, picked up some other people's stuff too, but they're also starting to get into um, a lot of artists too, like MF Doom. They released the Mad Villainy album through there, so there's, there's a lot of stuff coming through Bandcamp now. That's it's actually pretty good, mm-hmm. and the prices aren't bad. Nice. And a lot of them, you're giving the money directly to the artists themselves. Mm-hmm. It's not going through you know, the label. It's not going through, you know, these artists put up the three grand it took to print these hundred records. <laughs> you know, they put that up. You know, they paid for all of that artwork themselves. My phone. Oh, boy. I'm telling you. I'm giving away all the secrets again. You know, got to behave himself. But it is a benefit. But uh, now that it, go ahead, Owen. I I didn't know where you were going, and I didn't want to interrupt. But uh, just the thought that's in my head right now, um, DJ Prime, how important is it to read a room as a disc jockey? And do you feel most DJs today do it today? Reading a room is very important. You could play the wrong record at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Some people will still dance, but you'll see half of it move. Yeah. Your next move, 
you got to make it. You got to make a decision real quick. Thirty seconds. <laughs> you got to be like, oh man, I let me throw this on me. You know, you got to move it. So, got to you got to find that sweet spot and that happy medium. Right. Once you get in there, you got to stay within the lines of that. So, you know, very important. Um, I don't know, man. It's just it's hard for me to say if a lot of DJs are doing it because I watch a few DJs. Mm-hmm. You know, when I go out and stuff, and I, you know, I I, I take notes, you know, because I like to look and see what's going on, course, especially yeah. with this new musical crowd, man. Mm-hmm. It's it's tough. But the DJ could be up there working and killing it all day, and you won't have not one person dancing. Everybody just on their phones up against the wall. So it's like, you know, damn, <laughs> DJ rocking, but something mm-hmm. crowd. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those weird moments, man. That is you true. Know, you, got, you definitely got to be with that crowd, yeah. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Something that could be a dead crowd and you can be working your tail off just, just playing the best playlist that you can. Um, yeah. I remember one time I was with one of my friends, he was a DJ and um, he was telling me like, if he plays one song and it's just completely off and, the, and no one's even feeling it, that could be his bread. They can kick him out mm-hmm. like right then and there mm-hmm. out that club. Like it's, it, it, it's really intense. So that's like a stress no one knows that you guys can that you guys deal with a you used to deal with on a regular, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I ain't gonna toot my horn, man. I mean, I've had moments where, you know, mm-hmm. I get in and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go this way with it and the crowd ain't feeling it. They feeling the opposite of the way that I was going. So it's like, man, I gotta play the corny stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. <to> get busy. <laughs> you know, it happens, man. So, you know, it's just you got to read the room correctly and, you know, see what gets the people bobbing and moving, man. So once you once you see that head nodding, you already know, all right, I can take it over here, bring it over here, and I got it. You know what I'm saying? With music changing every day, see, this is like, Oh. Easy. Go ahead. Well, my brain's just going crazy right now. Right, my well, apologies, brother. I, I, I wanted to tell in this because this is what I think is so super interesting because yeah. it is so much more of a challenge for, for especially a DJ and someone who – who, who spins the way that you spin, mm-hmm. you know, to, to really deal with a crowd that at one point was more up and moving and they're out to dance and now they're sitting back on their phones. Now they could be playing a game on their phone or they could be streaming it um, on, on the phone. Um, now I know like for me, when we do the live band stuff, giving me a wireless mic, that is one of the tricks we can use because then I can go out there and harass the people on their phones. Um, you know, what is really, how do you captivate and how have you adjusted your game with this new type of audience that we have? Well, this new audience, man, I figure if they ain't going to dance to the hottest three records out, that's just what we got. So we just going to still do what we do, keep it professional all the way through and say goodnight at the end of the night, man. You can't you can't make them dance if they don't want to, you know. True. If the hottest mm-hmm. record on the radio ain't gonna get you moving, I don't know. You know, <laughs> so we just go down the line and go through our our list of music that we got for the night, and boom, you know, end of the night. Hey, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully y'all had a good time. You know, I enjoyed myself. I don't know about them over there, but you know, you played everything. Right. You can't you can't question it. <laughs> You know? That's absolutely true. That's absolutely some true. people, yeah. you know, some people want to be like, oh, get on the mic 
another job. Now I got a DJ and MC. That's, that's a lot of work, man. People don't understand it. You know, my, my voice don't stay strong for long. If I'm yelling all night, you know, that, that's <laughs> burning me out. <laughs> Only to get two people dancing. Here's the time and a place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here's the thing that kills me. Mm -hmm. Private parties. You can be killing them. I mean, killing them with all the highest records. Nobody dancing. You put on that wobble record and you got a whole 40, 50 people up now partying. As soon as that record go up, everybody go right back to their seat and sit down. <laughs> it's like, man, y'all only going to like this, man? <laughs> well, it's funny, and, man. And, it is real funny. You know, I, I've, I've, I've been like a helper for for DJs for like parties and stuff like that as I was growing up because it's just one of the things you do when you decide you're going to be an entertainer, right? You go and you work as many meaningless jobs to be somebody in that entertainment business as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And exactly. you're not wrong, you know, when the those private parties, they're stuffy as all heck, but the minute you put on the dumbest song, like the chicken song, these drunk fools are just jumping all over themselves, flapping their go. arms and throwing it around. And you could literally play the equivalent of pool playing Mozart's Ninth Symphony afterwards. And these fools would just sit down and not know what to do. You know, it's just, it's so incredible. How do you... I don't know, because I, I look at it like from a different artist point of view. It's like, oh, well, that's a little bit of that sell your soul stuff. But how do you go by and be like, okay, I know I have to play this. How do I make this incorporate into who I am and be able to give them a taste of me as well? How do you do that? Well, for one, man, my uh, my transition game is is pretty tight. So, you know, I don't let whatever music it is bother me. I'm glad we're on that topic, as a matter of fact, because I got a good story for you on that one. Um, I never let the music bother me. I just bring it in. You know what I'm saying? I listen. I, mm -hmm. I understand where it's going. And I, boom, I transition it like everything else. I make it nice and tight. We ain't playing no gaps. I'm not stopping the song and doing a bunch of sound effects in between just to get to the next record. Nah, that, that's, that's corny. A DJ's supposed to work to get that music to sound right. You know, and that's what we do. So. Recently, I just did a wedding, and it was, the wife was Indian, and the husband was mixed. He was, I forget what he was, but he was mixed. But mm -hmm. they wanted a lot of Bollywood music. I mean, Bollywood mm -hmm. overload. So I got all of the music together, got everything, got there, and my boys was like, yo, how are you going to pull this off? I was like, yo, watch me. I'm looking for that one record, and I'm going there. And I found the one record, and I was like, got him. And they was like, nah, you're not, you're not really doing this. I said, yo, watch. Put the next record on. I just knew the tempo to go for it, man. Because, you know, I, I listened to some of the stuff early on. So without me knowing that culture and what works, you know, like a line dance record, with uh like 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 with the urban culture stuff, you know, you, you gotta know what line dance is working on. But mm -hmm. I went in there and I just freehanded, man, and it's just that connection of music that I got. Like I could I could feel when it's a good record, you know, and I put it on and got a great response. At the end of the night everybody was like, Oh my God, thank you. We loved it. And it was, you know, it was all Bollywood and I probably played 
in total out of six hours, maybe an hour and a half worth of American music. Wow. Wow. So now wow. I have a Bollywood folder that's insane. <laughs> Fun facts and learn on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven. Myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City Raised. EZ Blues is in the building. We got the great DJ Prime with this EZ Blues. Continue, sir. See, that, that's that's one of the most incredible things is, is where you can see all this music, you know, kind of blend together, you know, like, for example, I'm a huge fan of Jeff Buckley, but Jeff Buckley was it was a huge fan of uh, Nasratu Ali, uh, who's one of the best, you know, after learning that I get into his vocals and one of the best vocalists I've ever heard being able to bring in the, the, a male voice, bringing those high notes with such resonance and such, such agony, but also a glory to it. Um, and so I love when, you know, we can blend those different styles and you can make it all fit together. Um, I've always looked at music kind of like a huge puzzle um, and you just have to make these weird pieces fit together and, and it can be glorious. Um, what are some, what are some of like, What's your favorite thing? What's your favorite kid, man? What's the, what's the favorite style to play? You know, had your own choice to do whatever you wanted to do. What is that? This is my I'm deucing out of the world mix right now. What's your set? Let's go. Oh, man. I would probably go to some of my remixes. Um, I read, I made a remix of uh, Parliament Funk's Knee Deep. A lot of people touch that record, but mine is a little different because I produced it differently. I took a little bit of everything that was a hit and put it in that record. And then after that, I would probably have to go over to my Michael Jackson remix I did. Same thing. I uh, took a lot of pieces that were hits. And I used Mike's voice just to da -dum, da -dum, da -dum, da -dum, da -dum, da -dum, da I just used that and just floored it from there. And every time I put that record on, people are like, oh, my God, what would you do? What would you do? Where that? Where I come from? Who's that? I'm like, yeah, that's mine. You ain't going to hear that nowhere else. That's a me thing. So I used those two. Then um, I probably, you know, depending on the room, um, I probably get into like a reggae deal. And for some reason, the women love the reggae. So once I come out of the reggae, I probably drop into like a '90s R&B set, and it's probably be set up for like Mary J. Blige, Real Love. Then we'll move over mm. to probably like Tina Thompson or something, you know, and, and just build off of that momentum. You know, it's, it's like you're going up basically now you know we're gonna we're gonna get up in temple and we're gonna end at one of them prince temples or something you know and that's pretty much the set mm. man you know we're gonna make it nice <laughs> and mean for that night that's for sure there you go there you go it's it's so dope too that you know it's it, it makes complete total sense that your ending point is prince you know it, it by by far you know, has touched so many of the most incredible records that have been released multi-genres, you know, and apparently has a vault of like just millions of hours of music and videos that we'll never see, you know, artists that just continue to, continue to push the envelope. Um, 
who was that, you know, benchmark for you coming up? And do you feel like you've reached that benchmark now or are you still climbing or do you want to surpass that benchmark? Well, I'm still a student of the game. So I'm forever learning, man. Forever learning. Like I'm watching Tone. I'm watching freaking uh, Mr. C. I'm watching Flex. I'm watching all these dudes, man, to see where it is. You know that I can I can take something and learn something from there. Not necessarily their sets, because I would never mock it. You know, but just to see how they do. And I understand like now. Those guys are great for what they do. You know, like K. Capri is great for rocking the parties, pulling out the party records, but also working that microphone, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I watch a lot of these guys and I see what they do. And I'm like, hmm, okay, let me incorporate a little something here. Let me try this, you know. Always trying to stay reinventing myself. I never want to sound like anybody else, you know. That's, that's one thing that you know, separates me now is I don't do routines. So when I show up to your party, this is just all freehand, you know, whether you gave me a list to play it or you said, hey, I need these songs. Everything after is all off the top. Ain't rehearsed, nothing. My rehearsal is your party, <laughs> basically. Um some of the guys that I, I, I watched growing up, man, was like Jazzy Jeff. He he put a high high standard in, 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 in DJing, man. And I, I ain't hit that point yet, man, because that brother can go overseas and kill it. Stadiums of 100,000 people and just right. kill it. I, I'm like, yo, that energy that he brings there is different than, you know, anything I've seen. You know, we got, uh, who else? DJ Scratch is another one. He's a former show DJ. You know, that that guy there, he has his his great tactics that he do for his sets, you know? And I'm just looking at everybody with the, the building sets, and I'm just like, wow, there's so much that could be done, you know? But I I do my own routine thing, and it, you know, it, it works well. Not routine, but I do my own thing, you know, and I, I try not to make it a routine because I don't want – worst thing ever is someone could be sitting next to you, let's say, easy, and they'd be like, oh, he's going to play this record next after that. Right. He's going to play that right. record after that. He's going to play right. this. They done gave you my, my, my top five records already, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I seen it happen, and from there, that's when I say, you know what, no more routines. Because at that point I was young and I was realizing like, yo, you really got people following you party to party, like, you know, and if that Mm -hmm. happens, that's going to turn out to a bad night because everybody knows what we're going to play. So the reaction is just going to be a, you know, so I, uh, I just watch and just to keep notes, keep tabs, keep myself fresh and just be like, you know, Hey, you know, just, just finding out what's going on. I like to stay in the loop. No, that's 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 amazing. And, and I, I absolutely love that because it's so true. You know, it's the reason why Bruce Lee invented Jeet Kune Do, you know, because traditional martial arts, those fights would take four to six hours because you knew what the com- you knew this guy had to throw this punch. So you had to throw this block and co- uh, combat with this kick. But he knew that you were combating with that kick. So 
seven hours later. And Bruce Lee's like, no, nah, what you do is you take this hand and you punch him in the face when he's not looking and you say something super loud and watch him drop real quick. And he reinvented martial art aspect of it. It's really that same thing of where you can stay styleless or formless, you know, where you are not predictable. You know, when anything becomes predictable, you know, Pete P and I watch, you know, professional wrestling. And, you know, all, you know, I started doing that. Like, oh, you know, but when they throw something different at you, when they hook with a good story, it's incredible. And it's that same thing. Easy. Well, you have another battle with curtain. the uh, microphone. It's breaking up a little bit. Ah, yeah, my back. Yeah, you're you're back to normal, man. We see you. We see we see you see a, you see a great personality. Okay. You had another fight with a demon. That's all. <laughs> well, oh, so many demons. It's fine. I'm on medicine. It's okay. Um, <laughs> but really, it's been an honor and a privilege to have you on on the show, man. Um, I absolutely yeah. love everything you do. Anytime you're doing something, please let me know. I'll be out there to support. But so the rest of the world can know how to support you, man. We're going to give you this time because we're getting that that, uh, you know, 30 second uh, thing from uh, from the people at the Academy Awards. And they're about to play some music and get us to heck off. Um, you know, how can people get in touch with you? How can they they uh, build with you? Brian, the, the floor is yours, man. And where can they get some of these incredible mixes like, you know, the Michael Jackson one that you were talking about? Well, I got the mixes on lockdown right now on my Bandcamp page. Um, I did have some up there. I'm not sure if there's still any on there, but um, I'm on Instagram, DJ Prime 808. Um, Facebook, DJ Prime 808 or DJ Prime Beats, I believe it is. Um, Bandcamp, I believe, is DJ Prime 808. Uh, you got Vinylistics Crew. That's my crew. That's me and my brother, uh, Mad Flavor. So you can look up Vinylistics Crew. Um, you know, it's Vinylistics Crew, C-R-E-W. Um, that's pretty much it right now. I haven't gone full-blown with the uh, social media platforms like that yet because I want to clear a few things. But we uh, this year we're working on a few other things, and that is one that we're going to get going is that social media market so we can start pumping these remixes and finals. Because I'm actually going to be getting some finals cut later on in the year. Nice. That's what I wanted to hear. That's what I wanted to hear. Oh, you just made me so happy. I'm the happiest girl in the world right now. Woohoo! <laughs> DJ Prime, we thank you so much. Myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City Made. And this has been Behind the Brand on WNHH LP 103.5 FM, New Haven. Appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Right, man. Peace. Thanks. to write about, trying to figure out what it's all about, excellent chalice, am I worth anything or just a scout, I don't know, I don't know.